0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Sales of non-dairy yogurt, like those of most plant-based products, have sharply declined in the past year. But a few bright spots, revealed by consumer research and recent innovations by players in the space, suggests the category could turn around with help from a few tweaks in product formulation, platform innovations, and marketing shifts. According to data from the Rightfield Group's EverG platform, sales of plant-based yogurt fell 9% in the second quarter of this year compared to last, mirroring a similar drop across other plant-based categories, including creamer, which fell 25%, cheese, which dropped 8%, and ice cream, which dipped 3%. The decline can also be attributed in part to macro trends that are shifting shopping habits across the grocery segment, such as ongoing inflation or the natural ups and downs associated with diet trends. But some of the shortcomings fall squarely on the shoulders of plant-based yogurt makers, who in many ways have failed to meet consumers' ever-rising bar for taste, nutrition, and experience. All hope is not lost, though. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Bethany Gomez, the managing director and co-founder of the Brightfield Group, takes a closer look at data from Brightfield's integrated research platform, Evergy, to uncover why sales of plant-based yogurt are falling and share strategies for addressing those forces. She also reveals where the category is growing, who is buying plant-based yogurt, And how this compares to who is targeted in the marketing, as well as what other value-based messages could help lift the category. Two players in the space, Established Organic Plant-Based Creamery Forager Project and Newcomer Kalina Yogurt, also share how they're driving growth and where they see the most potential. So when evaluating the potential for plant-based yogurt or plant-based anything, Gomez underscores it's important to remember that this segment is not monolithic. What is happening in plant-based meat can be very different from what's happening in plant-based dairy, and what's happening within plant-based dairy, be it cheese, yogurt, or creamer, may not represent individual players' or brands' experiences because what attracts consumers to each segment and each product varies.
1: Plant-based is, has become a very broad category, um, or a broad area with several different dynamics underneath that. And I think we want to zoom in, um, zoom into what's happening in and kind of split those apart a little bit. So, you know, in the category of plant-based, we kind of have your plant-based meat sections, you know, which are more, um, you know, appeal to those that are, you know, vegetarians, vegans, you know, as well as people that are just using for a plant-based diet and overall, believe, you know, plant-based products to be healthier, right? Then you have your plant-based a race action and you know that yogurt obviously falls plant based yogurt falls under. And thus, you know, there's some overlap, you know, with plant based needs. But it does attract somewhat of a different, you know, some some different consumers and have some slightly different dynamics versus the plant-based meat categories. Definitely so your vegans um, you know, are are very interested in um, you know the plant based dairy category. Um, you also in plant based dairy have, you know, those that are lactose intolerant or have an allergy to dairy, um, as well as those that have, you know, we've seen um, some stickiness in some of the the kind of hero uh, hero category aspects of the um, you know plant-based um, segment with you know things like almond milk or you know in the, the plant-based milk um segments that have been doing um, much better. Then there's of course all of your plant-based there's a lot of um, plant-based other plant-based products plant-based snacks um, you know other plant-based beverages and it's kind of a, a follow along effect where just about everything will put a plant-based tag on something, whether it's, you know, I've seen plant based energy drinks or, you know, plant coffee is technically a plant based energy drink, but, you know, that's uh um, people looking to kind of benefit from the um you know benefit from the terminology of people who are interested in plant-based. So as we have to, you know, as we're looking at plant-based category, we want to, you know, look at some of those trends overall, and then zoom in more to kind of the area that um, most impacts the plant-based, um, plant-based yogurt. Now, plant-based meat had to seen, you know, with the rise of Impossible, um, you know, with the rise of Beyond Meat, this there was a, a very um, there was a lot of growth and a lot of um, increased adoption. A lot of people believing that plant-based products overall were better, um, and that penetration of plant-based needs grew very quickly. And it, we're starting to see, is particularly in that plant-based meat section, you know, the halo fall-off um, in terms of you know the you know the percentage of Americans who believe that plant-based all plant-based products are healthier, has started to decline. And you see that with the, the drops in, um, in consumption rates amongst people that are um, consuming plant-based meats, plant-based burgers, you know, in particular, are down and, you know, and holding um, at that kind of lower level of growth. Um, and it's kind of, you know, what the data is indicating is that that, Trend may have peaked, right? Um, We're not seeing a lot of growth and deeper penetration amongst consumers using those products. Now, when we look at plant based dairy and when we look at plant based yogurt in particular, the trends and dynamics that we're seeing are a little bit different. Now, the environment that we're looking at right now is certainly one with a very price sensitive, you know, with the the environment of hyperinflation um, or significant inflation going on right now, we're seeing a lot of price sensitivity in consumers and a lot of products that have um, a very significant delta in pricing versus their mainstream categories are uh, taking a hit. And some of those are are slight hits, some of those are more significant hits. But it's causing people to kind of zoom out and look at their purchasing habits and see what they really want to be splurging on, Um, and that's impacted a lot of specialty categories, a lot of categories that are more premium and and niche. And you know, as we saw, many of those categories take a hit, particularly in Q2. um, You know, as well as um, you know earlier in the, the year and just continue to, to tick downward a little bit through um, 2022. Plant-based yogurts were definitely you know impacted you know by that as well. So you know some you know the overall usage rate, right, the percentage of Americans that consumed plant-based dairy or uh, apologies that um, consumed plant-based yogurt has decreased from 5.4 um, percent in. Um, q3 of 2021 um, to 4.4 percent in um, you know q3 of 2022 so it's a it's a drop um, you know it is holding it has been stable the last couple of quarters so it's not we're not seeing it continue to, to decline or continue to decline further um, over the past two quarters um, it does look like it's at least temporarily stable there um, so you know and we're not necessarily expecting the bottom to fall out, or or a lot of significant declines beyond there, it's kind of holding in that. Um, it is somewhat victim to the price sensitivity, some you know some of this this pullback overall.
0: While stabilizing sales is good news for the plant-based yogurt segment, stakeholders need to understand why they fell in the first place and address those factors before sales and consumer engagement growth can happen more significantly. According to Gomez, the biggest challenges holding back plant-based yogurt are price, evolving health perceptions, and a lack of consumer education and awareness.
1: The perceptions around plant-based products being overall better for your health um, have been declining. Um, So these attitudes, especially if you look at, you know, on social in particular, um, about chatter around plant-based products, um, there's a lot of questions around all of the, particularly as it relates to plant-based meat, around all of the additives in, you know, plant-based meats, um, you know, the heavily processed nature, you know, of these products um, that, you know, are really impacting those perceptions of, okay, if you have to add all of these additional ingredients, you know, to the products or, you know, with kind of the, the degree to which they're you know, modified, Are these actually, you know, better for you, you know, from a health perspective? Now, that same attitude is not necessarily applied to the dairy category, right? Um, You know, or it doesn't necessarily apply to, you know, almond milk or, um, you know, or coconut milk or um, uh, oat milk, many of the other, you know, um, uh, dairy-based categories. Um, It's not there... Because plant-based meats had started to drive a lot of this approach to a plant-based diet and, you know, urging people to convert to veganism, there's a bit of a relationship and some coattails there that are definitely negatively impacting, kind of, I think, all plant-based. If, you know, that perspective that plant-based isn't healthier, uh, if you're going to charge, you know, the, the price per per ounce, um, or if the the pricing is going to be double and the, the taste is going to be inferior, you're going to have to have some pretty strong health benefits to be able to um, you know convert consumers, particularly in this economic environment. Um, so there's you know there's a lot of um, challenges there. Um, as brands, as these larger mainstream brands come into the category, we do see some of those some of that pricing come down um, in plant-based yogurt, um, which Again, I, I really think with um, you know what we see in the data that a lot of this in this economic environment is going to be tied to that delta in pricing between um, you know mainstream categories and um, you know the plant-based alternatives. Um, if the, which makes it very challenging for these small niche brands in the market to compete. You know if they are three x what a you know, your standard, you know, Greek yogurt or Trebon yogurt or, um, you know, other standard um, mainstream yogurt brands' cost is going to be very difficult and you're going to see a, a steep decline in um, consumers using those products. If you're seeing a slight, you know, more of an incremental, um, you know, increase in pricing versus your, your standard um, yogurt that appeals to um, more middle- and high-income consumers, and that becomes a lot more attractive and you know that's that results in some, some differing dynamics within the market um, you know that will lead to some companies being more successful than others um, and make it really difficult on some of the the smaller companies the more niche companies and the, um, the more premium companies um, to be able to um, you know to be able to hold on and see any level of growth there. Many consumers don't even think twice about, don't even think about a plant-based yogurt. Have not considered putting, you know, a plant-based yogurt into their carton. You know, they're really the areas of opportunity in this are around getting, getting the almond milk consumer to buy almond, you know, um, or the coconut milk or the oat milk consumer to also buy those yogurts. And most of them don't even it's not even on their radar. Why would they do that, right? Um, what is the, the goal? What is the benefit for that consumer? Without that level of education or awareness or buzz, you know, around it, there's, you know, and when they're already finding that their grocery bills are going up each time they're you know, they're going to the store, um, what is going to get them over the hump to to try that, right? Um, what is going to to make them do that is that taste is that um, you know is that novelty? There's a lot of you know there are some built-in segments of um, you know of consumers that will help to build the backbone. Those that are lactose intolerant, um, you know those that are vegan or those that are you know, on a plant-based only diet, but that's not sufficient to be able to really kind of grow the category, um, especially if those people aren't necessarily used to buying, you know, plant-based yogurt or used to consuming yogurt at all. So first of all, training those people that they can come back into the category, you know, that they can, um, you know, try, they can be yogurt eaters, right, and then kind of converting more of the yogurt eaters you know, the exist, you know, people who are have been eating Greek yogurt for the last 13 years, is there an opportunity to convert those over? Um, but there's still just such a lack of awareness and driving trial, driving, you know, encouraging people to try new premium products um, in this economic environment is very difficult. So it's going to require a lot of, you know, marketing efforts, um, I think, to really kind of drive that. Drive that awareness, drive that education, and that's what's really going to kind of make or break, you know, the category, um, to be able to expand past this kind of niche four percent, you know, adoption, um, and into more of a mainstream um, opportunity.
0: Category newcomer Kalina Yogurt is tackling many of these challenges with its coconut-based Greek-like yogurt, which was created by the self-proclaimed foodie Aaron Assad who exemplifies the potentially overlooked and untapped consumer base that Gomez mentioned in that health issues, not moral qualms, forced her to give up dairy. But as she explains, she didn't want to give up the taste and mouthfeel and health benefits of Greek yogurt, which is a staple ingredient in much of her cooking.
2: With our non-dairy yogurt, we have a very long fermentation time. You can see it on our packaging. We actually put, like, 18-hour ferment. Um, actually, sometimes ferments a little bit longer than that. But, you know, we really want to develop, like, a deep uh, flavor and something that really is... Um, Reminiscent of dairy yogurt, you can get that through the probiotics we're using. Um, We also created like a custom blend where that's not typical. Most brands buy an off-the-shelf blend for their product, and we, I, that was one of the first things I did was created a blend that worked really well and just really created those dairy notes without having dairy in them. Plain and simple, it's made from coconuts, but you will never see coconut on the packaging because we're not telling people that we make a coconut yogurt, we're telling people we make, you know, a dairy-free yogurt. And so, really, you're not tasting coconut, you're not getting a really strong coconut flavor, you're you're getting a really neutral flavor profile. And when I first started making the yogurt, I was cooking a lot of savory foods, a lot of salad dressings, you know, I was making... Um, a lot of Persian food that requires a lot of yogurt and so for me I needed something very neutral that I could sub and that I wasn't getting this like sugary sweet coconut flavor and so that's kind of why I created it very in a, way, a very neutral way where it does feel like it just feels like eating a great yogurt it feels you can sub it you can make tzatziki sauce you can make you know Persian yogurt and rice you can make something that you know really uh, you're not going to notice the coconut it just enhances the meal so
0: Assad also didn't want to give up the health benefits that many people find attractive about dairy yogurt, including probiotics that can support gut health, which is why she opted to ferment her product.
2: We, so we truly culture our product. I think, you know, some brands will add in, like, they won't actually culture the product, they'll just find an acidifier and then they'll add in probiotics and kind of claim they're making yogurt, whereas we really actually truly ferment the product with probiotics. It, it's what develops the flavor, you know, over time. That's why we get that great flavor. Um, and you know, those probiotics are, are you know, in the, in that product at the finish. So you're just like a dairy yogurt, people consume it for that probiotic benefit, or at least one of the reasons they do, you know, you can find that with our yogurt as well. There they're documented probiotic strains that actually deliver benefits. We don't you know, we don't have any like intense claims on our packages, but, um, you know, it is something like you can look up and see why probiotics are beneficial for your gut. And it's something we talk about our Instagram and our website. Um, but it is something that we believe is really essential to a healthy diet is having a good, a good gut and having good gut health. And that comes from a lot of the foods that we eat. And so we feel like, you know, incorporating a cultured yogurt into your diet, um, is really important, which is why, you know, we, we try to, bring in a large amount of probiotics within our products.
0: Even though plant-based yogurt faces many challenges, Gomez notes that the category is resonating with sustainably-minded consumers who view plant-based yogurt as more environmentally friendly. You
1: know, the the perceptions on um, you know, plant-based products being better for the environment have been holding. We saw some dips in Q2, um, but we've seen those bounce back here in Q3. Um, those perceptions are, are largely holding that yes, plant-based products are better for the environment.
0: For the plant-based creamery forager project, sustainability in creating products that are better for people and the environment is a core component of its business, product formulation and marketing. The company founder and CEO Stephen Williamson cautions these values cannot come at the expense of taste, texture, and experience.
3: Our goal at Forger was to create a product that was good for people and good for the planet and and uh, I think there's a lot more we can do on both of those fronts, but that was the the inspiration for for what we've what we've um, what we've built and uh, just going to continue to um, try to bring a sense of food can be incredibly wonderful and such a good experience and it can also be good for you and it can also be beneficial to the planet and if you put all that together, uh, I think you have something that's interesting.
0: This ethos is what led Williamson to land on cashews and eschew other popular options, such as almond, as the base for forager projects, yogurts, and other dairy alternatives. We
3: started first with almonds, and I had two problems with almonds. One, I think they are
0: uh,
3: huge users of water in a uh, water-tight world, or water-tight region they're grown in, so I thought there would be problems with that. And two almonds don't uh, cream; they just don't. They're great, wonderful. I love the nut. I mean, it's a beautiful nut, uh, but they don't—they don't cream well. Cashews—if you soak a cashew, you soak an almond. Cashews cream; almonds don't. So we gravitated to all, uh, cashews because of that. Um, The—if uh, you look at, at, at raw vegan restaurants cashews are used in so many different things so i, I had a, an affinity towards them and that drew us into to using cashews and we started making milk with it and from milk it was well christ we could make yogurt let's let's go learn how to do that and you know, that's that's the story basically
0: but it takes more than soaked cashews to make plant based yogurt. And while Williamson said he understands consumers' desire for products made from a short list of ingredients, many of which they're familiar with and can find in their own kitchens, manufacturers must balance consumer demand for taste and a familiar and enjoyable eating experience as well.
3: also in any in any food it's 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 taste and um and and, and experience. So if you are a Dairy yogurt consumer, why would you switch to non-dairy if you are feeling that the that the eating experience is inferior? Um, And uh, you know, even though I think there's a compelling reason to embrace uh, non-dairy. Products uh, in that I I I, I am uh, convinced that the two what I call two-step food system is not uh, sustainable with 8.8 billion people on the planet, and that uh, what I would call a single-stage food system, which is plant-based, uh, is is more sustainable. And if you add on top of that, organic. Is also crucial. Um, uh, you kind of, you, you end up uh, uh, go, going down the the, the pathway of, uh, of of eating uh, non dairy, but I don't think any substitute for another product does well unless it actually tastes as good, and uh, you know, that's what we spend our time trying to. Uh, challenge ourselves every day what can we do better how can we make this product uh more amazing what um what do we need to do and so so there's plenty of there's plenty to learn from dairy i think that every ingredient you put in you should ask the question why is it in here what are you getting for what why 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 uh, is a is a great question on formulation, and I, I always go back to if you don't win on taste, you're not going to win. And and the minute you put caveats to taste, well, it's really good in the you know in, in plant based yogurt. Uh, I, I think the minute you put that that uh, comma you know and 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 descriptor of in, inside a plant based yogurt, you are limiting your ability to to really succeed. So I, when I when I think about yogurt. I think about tasting versus dairy yogurt uh all all the time and uh, you know, that, that's that's the standard so so uh you know be, being that we're organic that also limits us and 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 uh, uh, obviously dairy has the advantage of casein and uh, the protein that is in 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 um, cow's milk, uh, and those are benefits to building uh, building yogurt. And we don't have that, uh, um, and therefore we we end up using ingredients that uh, help us uh, overcome the lack of that animal product.
0: The goal is to make a product that is so delicious that even the pickiest eaters will enjoy it. Project Forager is taking on this challenge with a new product designed for the pickiest eaters among us, kids. The company debuted this fall a line of flavored cashew milk yogurt pouches that Williamson said are a hit with at least one 2.5-year-old who he described as a core taste tester and who loves the product. As more brands like Forager Project and Kalina Yogurt innovate within the plant-based yogurt category, Gomez predicts that the product selection and quality will appeal to more mainstream consumers, something she says is already happening. And, as that occurs, she predicts that there will be a shakeout in the category with larger CPG companies buying smaller, successful brands and helping them scale. Once they do that, she said, the category will have a better chance of overcoming the other hurdles holding it back, mainly price and consumer education. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.